And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday number 21. Walking Dead Wednesday has reached the legal drinking age. And it's actually a good day to get drunk. As we'll see. Actually, that's next episode of Walking Dead Wednesday. But I am joined, as always, by Sean Engel. Hey, everyone. And Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And we are here to talk about Walking Dead Comics number 53. But before we do that, how are you guys doing? Oh, not bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get into that. It's been a while since we've actually taken a look at, at the comics, and uh, I'm ready to get back into them. It's, you know, the shows have been, especially looking at the early shows, it's been really fun. But, uh, you know, after the next show that we're going to be doing, um, I, I would much rather be doing the comics more. So I'm glad to get back in the comics. And this time out, we get the introduction of, of one of my favorite characters in the uh, latter half of the books or the latter, the latter half of the, uh, the first hundred issues. First hundred issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering because I always, I always see the new, we're back. We're in season four of the walking dead in real time. And we we record the show traditionally on Sundays, which now is walking dead (laughs) day. So it gets recorded directly after, you know, after Bill and, and Sean watch Walking Dead, you know, the fresh new, the freshest killed Walking Dead on Sundays. And does that, like, set the mood for the show good, real good for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it it, it kind of does. You know, I watched the show with my wife, and, you know, she's really into it. But it, there is kind of a disconnect because the show has gone... Off rails uh, on its own. the comics. Yeah, it, ha- yeah. it has gone. It has taken its own path. So not that the path is a bad one. The show is still interesting and uh, it's still well acted, but it is it's different than the comic. And, you know, now that I've kind of come to terms with the fact that the two things and that the, the the show is not going to be like the comic, I'm, I'm OK with it. But when when questions come up uh, for my wife, it's like, who is this character? What does he do? Uh, a lot of times now in the show, I'm like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> this is this is, you know, even if it's uh, characters like Tyrese, who's now become a pretty major player in the show. I don't know what's going on with Tyrese in the show because he's not following the path that he did in The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. So it's no. it's interesting. It uh, it gets me ready for doing this, but it is its own separate animal from the comic. That's what I was so. wondering. Well, it's been like. Just a couple days ago, George Romero was... I don't know if he was denouncing the show, but he called it a soap opera. And I was talking with Scott McGregor about it today, and and we were saying, you know, there's there's a... The comic books, I think, were mostly read by men, by guys. But the TV show, like, the wives are getting into it, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're adding, I think, more 
you know, soap opera elements into it and to 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 play to a wider audience, you know? Yeah, well, there there is a lot more emphasis on interpersonal relationships in the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, especially between uh, Carol and Daryl, you're getting a lot of that. I'm thinking, um, like, in the show, in, in the comics, when you just start settling down and get comfortable someplace, that's when the shit hits a fan and someone's going to mm-hmm. die. In the TV show, in the TV show... Um, when when <laughs> characters start to hook up, that's when someone's yep. gonna die. That's what Scott McGregor was noticing. He's just like, well, now that anybody's you know hooking up, yeah. you know, one well, I mean, gonna bite the dust pretty soon. I, I think the show can be more soap operaish, or may seem that way because you've got more. You can develop a character more. You, yeah, you've got you've got more time. You could than you can with just multiple pages in a comic i mean yes you can develop characters in a comic i'm not saying you can't but i think you can develop more over time with a tv series and maybe that's where you know people saying it's more soap opera-ish i don't know well it also has real people interacting and stuff like that so it has i don't know if more of a basis in reality because i think the tv show is less realistic than the comics (laughs) in a lot of ways True. You know, it's it, yeah. it follows conventions of TV shows, which are often kind of melodramatic and stuff, which don't yep. come off as that. And the things in the comic that come off as gritty come off more melodramatic on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for some so, Sean, Sean uh, when you were wa- not to spoil anything, but when you were watching tonight, we had two characters that were introduced new. And I don't want to say where what if anything happens to them but did your wife ask well who are these two people um the the two people that ricky carol met but i I basically i basically said uh you know i I, she kind of mentioned them and said something about you know not trusting them and i said i don't know who these characters are so i don't know whether we should trust them or not so uh she she's she's enjoying the show a lot but I, I feel that if, you know, like in the first couple of seasons of it, I was able to go, okay, this is this character's motivation. This is this character's motivation. Mm-hmm. This is why this character is doing this. Now I'm like, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. See, is, now it's like, like us as the viewer, we're looking at every character's like, all right, what's this person's motivation? How are they going to turn on them? What are they looking for? That's, you know, are that's they a good exactly. person or not? There, there was another character who was along, and we should probably save this for you know the when we do the TV episode. Three but yeah, there was now. a character. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eventually get to it. Yeah, oh yeah. But you know, when we talk about the TV show, we'll talk about this. But yeah, there was uh, there's characters in there where you don't know who they are, and you're always very suspicious of them now because you're thinking, well, what what's their purpose in the show? But. Mm-hmm. No, Sean. Have you thought of get, get, getting your getting your wife on the comics, getting her hooked on the, you know, comic books? I could <laughs> on I comics. Could, I could I could probably easier, you know, there are probably you know other things I could probably easily more easily talk her into than starting to read the comics. I mean, I've got the compendium. I've got the first compendium, which uh, is like issues one through forty-eight up until. Uh, the siege of the prison and you could just leave and, it around the house you know you know i i could, I could out yeah, to I the told, kids i guess <laughs> you know, I, 
I, I've offered I've offered it up to her and I said, yo, if you want to know more about the show, you need to read this because it is so good. It, it is some of the best. Put it like there. in a drawer and say it's going to be in this drawer. You don't have to tell me if you're going to read it or not. But trust you know, me, feel, I, if I you feel like reading it. The drawer it's, would not be opened and the comic would be in the same place. She <laughs> she has no interest in in reading the comic. Probably probably the main reason would be because no Daryl. But that's okay. She's a Dixit vixen. Uh she's she she likes her some Daryl. Uh, she she likes the bad boys. She so also likes That's why she, she married you. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh, that's uh, I think that's the reason she's looking for the bad boys is because like uh, I've got the husband and he's nothing like Daryl. So there you go. So you don't break out you don't break out the compendium and, and have like Mr. Rogers or Mr. Mr. Ingalls neighborhood and you Okay kids, yeah, today the kids you, are around. Today you hold up the book and you you hold it out to them and show them the pictures of the zombies. Here's where ah. Carl Here's where Carl took a life. <laughs> this is Tyrese and Rick fighting and beating the living crap out of each other in the prison. Then you have to explain to him afterwards in depth, you know. Now you know it's all pretend and you don't get to kill anybody until there's a zombie apocalypse. Now let's go watch it on TV. <laughs> exactly. Now if you're going to do that, start them on like start them on your Night of Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and work them up. <laughs> oh yeah, Night of the Living Dead is almost tame. Oh yeah, yeah, that worked. I yeah, it's a good tr- kid traumatizer though because yeah. It, if it's if it's going to be the first if it's going to be their first hardcore, <laughs> there's, well, yeah. there's meat being eaten in it, you know. You know, you know to, cro- to cross over a bit, uh, when we were doing our, our vault show about Friday the 13th, and uh, we watched, what was it, the fourth one, uh, my daughter was like, I've never seen, my older daughter was like, I've never seen a Friday the 13th movie before. I said, okay, you're, you're old enough now. She was 13. I thought she wouldn't have a problem. She came up and watched it with me. She she was completely unfazed by it. Oh sure, yeah. So she was, you know, she was all into. It. I was like, was were you scared at any time? She's like, no. It's like, did you like the the way that Jason went around and killed people? It's like, yeah, that was kind of cool. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think my kids would be. Yeah, wait till the next time you go camping. Friday the Thirteenth yeah, Part <laughs> Four, and not, and Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Tonally, yes, <laughs> and stylistically yeah, are so different. I I saw you. Night of the Living Dead at a young age and it was horrifying and I was watching it with kids that were much younger than me. A little girl went and locked herself in the bathroom. The poor. Well, and I th- to be honest, I think that one scene where they go down in the basement and the the little girl is sick. That could probably with the, with the trowel. Yeah. That. Yeah. That that could probably that could probably affect you a bit. It was like it was a Halloween. Um, special at our local life at the Carthage library and that it was you know it was the it didn't have a they never it was never submitted for a rating and so it didn't have any rating in the and you know how libraries are when they describe mm-hmm. the movie and stuff it's very dry so she got a she got a like invisible man it was like these shortened versions mm-hmm. like readers digest versions of like the invisible man and the wolf man and stuff but the full Night of the Living Dead was the main feature. 
and at the end of the first reel, one little girl was in the bathroom crying, and, oh, she, and the librarian was at the point where she was like, I don't want to show the rest of this film, and everybody was going to kill her if if we didn't find out what happened, because we were all freaked <laughs> out. So she had to us the rest of the movie. And then, and then you find out what happened. And you find out what happened, yeah. Everyone dies. Yeah, and when the movie, like, click, 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 Spoiler. click, 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 it was, like, dead silence. Yeah. Little kids just sitting there in the library and thinking, oh, my God, I've traumatized <laughs> them. Where usually it was like, yay, play Hardware Wars again, you know, or, or that, that funny cartoon. And nope, not this time. But I, after that, I would sign that movie out sign out a projector and watch it at home just going holy cow i'd had no idea you'll laugh you'll cry you'll kiss your childhood goodbye <laughs> exactly uh, uh, yeah and i mean friday the 13th part four is so 80s anyway you know it's it's oh, it would sweet. be like watching a, a mod 60s movie when we were kids we wouldn't be able to take it seriously you know or it, w- it wouldn't have that layer of reality to it where Night of the Living Dead is pretty stark. The only thing to take you out of it is the bad acting. Yeah. Really. Mm. Yeah. The the yeah stylistically it's not. Well, you can kind of feel it's got a sort of late sixties, early seventies feel. Yes. But uh, it's not. It's not a set piece like Friday the Thirteenth Part. Right. But this is something for for our other another version. one. Yeah, but yeah. Yes. we need to. Well, I've got a so, little Walking and Dead news real quick. I picked ahead. up, I picked up the the next book, uh, the next hardback novel, Ooh. Um, the Kirkman and Jay whatever his name is, Bojangle. <laughs> Mr. Bojangles, Mr. Bojangles from the Jay Bojangles. So I got that. I haven't had a chance to really start reading it yet, but I do have it. I believe uh, it's the Fall of the Governor Part One, so it's a two-parter. Of course, they're gonna Lord yes. of the Rings it or the Harry Potter it. <laughs> yeah, or the Hobbit it. Yeah, Hobbit it. Gonna <laughs> Hobbit it out. So as soon as I finish that, I will pass that on to either of you who cool. is looking to read that. Yeah, we'll just get a little as as little, with the others. It'll be like the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Which, did we ever figure out who should have got the other books? Because I know I gave... I passed the first one on the Scott, and I think he passed it to you. And, and I, I passed got a, the second one to you. I got the second... I've got... I have a copy of the second one around here somewhere. And I was uh, tr- trying on Facebook to mail it out to somebody who needed to read it. And there was somebody who needed to read it. And I, like, I M'd him and said, okay, give me your address. And I never heard back from him. So it's if there's somebody who needs to read... It was was that rise of the it wasn't rise of the governor was it what was the second one? uh it was woodbury. the road to woodbury woodbury yes if anybody needs road to woodbury first one to to uh tell me on facebook on the two true freaks page to get get a copy of it in the mail to read so, then you have to pass it on to the next person pay it forward yep so I should hopefully be able to get it done maybe within the next few weeks, um, depending on what else happens around the house and um, or how many times I go to the bathroom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll pass it on to you guys, and then we'll eventually do a, do a review like, like we did the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. So that's all I got, New Walking Dead. 
Well then, since uh, we're at that point, I am the one who has carefully crafted a a synopsis. A nine-page synopsis? No, I actually <laughs> was looking at it and was like, oh, does this go to another page? As you can hear the flip noise. Um, and, uh, and this isn't a prop notebook. This is my real notebook. Uh, it's only about five-eighths of a page. I'm getting good and terse these days. Ooh, pro- probably doesn't doesn't hurt not using the giant crayons as well. Oh, uh, sorry, Bill. I mean, well, the page. Oh. When I say the page, that's like one wall of my room. <laughs> oh, you you have one that's not covered with you know you know crucifixes and you know the other one's covered <laughs> just says "Kill Clouseau" all over. <laughs> I was thinking more of the oh the in the mouth of madness, mad you know oh. the madhouse room. <laughs> Uh, all work and no play makes Chris a <laughs> dull boy. <laughs> and ain't that the truth these days? Okay. Oh, yes. Walking Dead number 53 by Robert Kirkman and drawn by Charlie Adlard. Rick, Carl, and Michonne are reunited with Glenn and Maggie and uh, Maggie takes the news of her family's death pretty hard. And so they bring the stragglers back with them to Herschel's farm where they're staying with Dale, Andrea, and all the little young'uns. Carl reunites with an obviously manic um, and uh, delusional Sophia when he tells Rick that uh, she's crazy and and actually girls are crazy. Rick kind of lectures him on how people seek comfort after death and... uh, then he immediately goes on the porch and commiserates over dead wives with Dale, where they semi-discuss their man feelings. And then uh, Rick catches Michonne uh, talking to herself and confronts her, and she admits that she's talking to her dead ex-boyfriend. So Rick figures that's a good opportunity to spill the beans about his uh, one-way lorry phone that he carries around with him. So uh, later, uh, Rick's awakened by a gunshot, and he rushes out to see three strangers with an armored truck being held at bay by a roof-bound Andrea. They say they are Sergeant Abraham Ford, Rosita Espinosa, and Dr. Eugene Porter. They are after provisions, and they are on their way to Washington, D.C. to reconnect with the government. Eugene says he's a government scientist. He knows what's... I don't know why when I hear Eugene I have to go into a country voice, but Eugene says he's a government scientist and he knows what has caused this zombie outbreak. If Eugene... If Dr. Eugene is not the Simpsons comic book guy, I don't know who is. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Worst, Worst the apocalypse, apocalypse ever. ever. <laughs> that was a race to that one, Bill. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm treading in your, your territory there. Yeah, he does have that sort of dumpy look with the, the ponytail thing going on. Yeah, he is. And, and the fact that, you know, he says that he has a solution for this, it's a nice way to to give a sort of stinger ending to the comic. But you've got to realize that he's probably just full of crap. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this does have the introduction of Abraham that uh, that very quickly becomes one of my favorite characters in The Walking Dead. And, uh, you know, he, he's pretty badass at this. You well, know, you got to you got us. Uh, I, I mean, I when he, when I first read this comic, I like 
just the Jesse Ventura-ness of him mm-hmm. and the sketchiness of Eugene saying he worked for the government and he knows what caused all this. I didn't. It's like your uh, your conversation with your wife. I didn't know whether to trust him or not. I wasn't sure whether you know, I trusted mm-hmm. him or not. You know, he's Abraham looked so it, like okay. Here's another you know, alpha male, for Rick yeah. to butt heads with. You know, mm-hmm. and so I thought that it was like okay. Here's somebody to conflict with, with Rick in some way, because right now all the people it's just sort of like. Rick and Michonne and the mid-level badasses and the kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. so there's nobody really for Rick to butt heads with, which he does best. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I do like the scene where uh, Rick and Michonne finally, you, you know, the, they finally make that connection. They finally get the realization that they both are messed up from their loss and I think it's really well played out in this book and uh, you know you you had seen uh, you'd seen scenes in the earlier parts of the book where Michonne was off to her side and someone caught her you know talking to herself Mm -hmm. and everyone it was never really approached and no one ever really talked about it but now it's finally come to a head and Rick has encountered it and it's allowed him to admit you know he's still messed up from the death of his wife so I, I I'm glad that we're seeing more connections being made between the characters especially between uh, Rick and Michonne because uh, well so far in the book we don't know all that much about Michonne really it's it's a total it's it's really a male bonding moment because mm-hmm. it's like it's like okay we're both gonna admit this but we're gonna admit, you know, it's like you put down your gun, you put down your gun. Okay, we put them both down at the same time. It's like we both have a mutual weakness. Now we can admit it to each other. Now we have a little secret, you know, that shows, you know, that we to connect on a human level. But it's it's uh, you know, I mean the the last the last little exchange they have in that that scene. It's really funny because now that I've been watching the TV show with Michonne on it, the actress who plays her is so captures the character almost to the level that the guy who played Dale did. Mm-hmm. That when I read that little exchange where she's like, "Okay, so we're both crazy," and Rick says, "Seems like it," and he's like, "I won't tell if you won't," and she goes, "Deal." I totally hear it in her voice, you know, mm-hmm. and the yeah, way that the that... posturing of her leaning against the the wall and stuff like that I can totally hear this it's just such a natural exchange between these two characters well because now Rick doesn't have to feel he's the uh, he's the mayor of crazyville he now has a deputy mayor with him (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly well I mean yeah the whole place is in a it's it's a crazy house it's all it's all a big asylum you know well and it's it's a way that the two can actually you know share their craziness and you know realize that they're not alone and they're your own little post-apocalyptic world foibles. You know, uh, they were keeping it secret and keeping it themselves because, yeah, they thought, they knew in their heart of hearts that, yeah, this is wrong, but they didn't want to admit it to someone. Well, but they, now that they, they can can't admit really it, admit it, yeah. either of them, because it would, it would they, they have to almost stay superhuman in a way mm-hmm. to retain people's 
not really their trust, but the, you know, to make the the people they're taking care of feel safe. So it's it's only something that's only something you know Rick is gonna relate to, you know, the most direct peers of his. You know, he could there could have been exchange like this between him and Tyrese at some point. Um, there was actually an opportunity, sort of, for him to admit it to Dale, but he wasn't going to. That the the, it's funny because his his little talk with Dale was a little bit more awkward than uh, than his one with Michonne. And it's funny because a lot of people have been always like, you know, there's always been talk that eventually Rick and Michonne are gonna hook up, but I don't see it. I see them as being, you know, just. I don't see the, the, a, a romantic relationship with them just as completely complete peers that have been through so much together that they've earned each other's total respect and trust. Yeah, I, I don't see a relationship developing. You know, I see a, a very close kinship, but not a romantic or an emotional relationship right. other than the emotions that they share through their to the pain of their loss. Yeah, so. I, don't, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see how it would work. Yeah. Um, Sophia, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy, <laughs> Sophia, uh, especially, especially that that page where she goes from you know just uh, where the top four panels are you know uh, Sophia, Carl, Carl, and Sophia, and seeing that dramatic change from being really angry to and just wide-eyed, crazy-eyed little girl, and then her hugging Carl saying that I love you. Yeah, she's not dealing with the loss of her mother very well at all. And, you know, uh, Carl's being, you know, he's being a kid and he's being kind of reasonable about it. Like, yeah, she's really insane, Dad. But I'm, I'm, I like the little thing that they have afterwards of uh, Rick trying to approach the idea that everyone deals with their loss in a different way. And, this isn't just, you know, he eventually he starts out with the whole thing. Well, yeah, all women be crazy, Carl. But, you know, then eventually, <laughs> eventually, you know, it evolves to the thing that, you know, this is the way she's dealing with her, with her loss. And you just have to, you have to let her deal with it in this manner. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, um, I've married, I mean, I've dated women that were, uh, <laughs> that were like this. Freudian slip. Ah, oh, no, no, no slip at all. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's a nice touch. I mean, yeah, because she's mad at him one second, and then she's like, "Oh, you're the best person in the world." Cuckoo, cuckoo, and he he just has no idea what to do with it, you know. And then then you know, of course, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fairly. No- <laughs> I was just gonna say this is a fairly normal scene. <laughs> yeah, this is this is pretty much you know. Even if it yeah. wasn't the zombie apocalypse, this would be yeah. a normal scene sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes right, I. Right, that's what I'm saying. This is yeah. <laughs> yeah, there go there goes it's, our female audience. Well, it's just been brought about earlier on. It's just the introduction of the 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 two sexes together, you know. Okay. And and I'm and I'm sure Sophia's going, man. Carl's stupid. He has no idea <laughs> what I'm talking about most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you just don't get me. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're crazy. I don't. <laughs> so, uh, the first page. Do you think? Oh, okay. Rick's got his uh, 
cut off hand, well, arm, stump, up to his face like he's shielding his eyes. <laughs> you think that now actually I think I, that's just uh yeah. That's that's like a that's like a could that be like a muscle memory thing and that mm-hmm. he's doing that because just a habit he out of force a habit. That, yeah, that because he, he he he's you know, he did he he realizes what he's doing, but he doesn't realize, you know, it, he hasn't fully hit him that he doesn't have his hand to block anything. And it looks more like he's giving a salute to Glenn than actually trying to shade his eyes. Mm-hmm. I think it may be that because supposedly, you know, when you do lose a limb, you still have that sort of muscle memory feel that that limb is still that, that sort of phantom limb type syndrome oh, where you feel that the the, the limb is actually still there. still there. I think it's yeah. just an automatic response. The sun was in his eye and it's mm-hmm. his right hand and that's what you usually do. You put your right hand up over your eye to shade yourself and yeah, because you can see in the next panel, you know, uh, there's the either the rising or the setting sun. I'm, I'm assuming the rising sun. Yeah. Right behind mm-hmm. Glenn and Maggie. Well, so. well, yeah. In the last issue, they just sort of came out of the sun as, you know, backlit. Yeah, silhouettes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a, you know, force of habit. Just like, oh, the sun's in my eyes. And yeah. And then and then when uh, when Maggie asks my father, my brother, Rick looks like 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 a cartoon character, his head's about to turn into a jackass, a donkey, like hee-haw, hee-haw. Aww. Sorry. It's, it's the grave look. Yeah. No <laughs> pun intended, but yeah. They're just like, uh, mm, no words no need to be said. Yeah. Yeah, but the but the, the panels with uh, Maggie and him are, are really touching there, where it goes from, you know, uh, where she starts crying in that next panel where it's it's her facial expression just doesn't change it's just tears, tears. just start coming yeah yeah and you know that you know without a word that you know Rick's told her what's happened so yeah it's it, it, it the artwork here the artwork, you know we really don't comment all that much on the artwork we, it's more more or less the story but Adler's been doing a really good job in the artwork and you know telling the story uh you know with his uh with this drawing so I'm um, yeah it's good stuff I like how he uses um angles from above a lot mm-hmm. he'll, he'll cut away to a scene from from up above and I think that's that's really neat and it doesn't seem like that gets used an awful lot well it's it does give it a sort of cinematic feel right uh, as like a, a high angle crane shot but you know I don't consider comics to be laid out in the way that movies are but I guess it's it does give it that kind of feel. I will I will say, though, um, something negative about Adler. On that page where uh, Carl comes in to meet with Sophia, that first uh, panel up there, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Adler can draw kids because it looks like Carl's little kid head on just a shrunken adult body. The, yeah, it a really little man like, walking in, yeah. Yeah, it looks, like a, it looks like, you know, just a little man with Carl's head on there. It's just kind of... He reminds me a lot of... I think he was highly, highly, highly influenced by Frank Miller. Mm -hmm. You know, from the Daredevil era, Frank Miller. Or maybe even the post... Like the Ronin era, Frank Miller. Somewhere in between where Miller was a little more detailed, but it's... He still uses a lot of the just sort of broad strokes. And the face... His faces and lips on people are very Frank Miller-like. Especially mm-hmm. this, like the the shot of Sophia where she's she's frowning and then she turns to smiling. Mm-hmm. Those those could be right out of a old Frank Miller comic. 
Oh and, yeah, and the, see, those are really detailed. But yeah, when he draws like the kids as as full figures, they just look a little off. The, but yeah, the, his facial a little stylized about them almost. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny because I think the comics have been getting they've been putting them out faster, so they're not quite as carefully rendered as these ones are. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll agree with you there. But mm-hmm. I still I still like his art a lot. But like reading back on this, I I'm noticing like his art is a lot more detailed and controlled, and um, you know, fin- finished more. You know, there's mm-hmm. more of a, a sheen put on it. In, in these issues. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I do have to say something that I hadn't really noticed before, but it just makes sense now, is that a lot of my current beefs with comics nowadays is that you can blow through it in no time. Mm-hmm. And there's there's just even this one issue, there's so many panels. This is almost like an older, a much older yeah. comic with, with the amount mm-hmm. of story that's in here that, you know, with like the whole Dale and Rick uh, talk is just two pages and it's about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's like fifteen Yeah about twenty yeah. panels in in the two pages alone. And then it goes on to another page. So yeah, that's it, it, there's just like a lot of story here. Just and it's nice because you get more for your more for your buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well I think I think the last few issues have been the aftermath of Woodbury, or Woodbury, the Woodbury Prison War, and mm-hmm. everybody getting wiped out, and this is the first issue where we get to—I don't want to use the word relax—but people, people start, yeah. In, instead of just like putting a bandaid on, they they're starting to set about, you know, dealing with what just happened, like truly. You know, now there's other people to talk to and, you know, a house, a stable situation. We're, we're really getting to address what, what just happened to everybody rather than, like, are they going to live to the next day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're getting a chance to catch their breath a- mm-hmm. after what happened. Mm-hmm. And start it, to heal, which means once the healing begins... The killing begins again. <laughs> The killing begins afresh. And of course we have the the uh, I don't know is that a nerd zombie? He yeah it's I you know you I, know I, it's got to be somebody who won a contest or that they know or something because he's got a uh, yeah he's got a very distinctive looking face. Well, he's got also got a T-shirt that's an obvious plug for mm-hmm. something. I yeah, don't like know what the... Cosmic Encounter is. And that that he'd rather be playing, but it's probably something that's that's made by one of Kirkman's friends, or or you you, you know, it's yeah. it's got that total feel of like, all right, we, you know, we're gonna put the reference in, so we'll just have the guy wearing a t-shirt, and and then he gets a cool death, mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets a, a knife through his mouth and to the back of his head, or no, we need I, a zombie with a we need a zombie with a got milk shirt. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wanted to comment, you know, because this brought me back to oh, what was it? One, of, it was one of the back the bins that you did uh, on on the next page where uh, where he's smashing the zombie's head in with it, where Abraham's smashing the zombie's head in with the with his boot. The the onomatopoeia is goom, <laughs> and I just recalled that character <laughs> goom from I'm that. Goom. Oh, hi, I'm goom. goom. The the sort of 
mentally challenged alien from the mentally challenged space hippo. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, it was one of the recent back to the bins. Yeah, that was in the giant size man thing one. <laughs> Which Insert number giant there. size man thing was that? Number one. I one have giant planet. size man thing number one. I was just looking at it out in the. From 1974, though, I don't know if they did a. It's got a bunch of. Uh... The original. I. I yeah. The garage it's, sale. it's got like four stories in it. And so and so one of them is. Read about Goom after this. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's Goom used got to a three be word that Scott Gardner and I used for when people took their dentures out and would be. <laughs> Goom. <laughs> but yeah, this was a this was a good issue introduction to Abraham. Uh, nice, if not kind of you know certain to be bullshit ending. But uh, yeah, it, it makes you want to pick up if if there's anything it does, it makes you want to pick up the next issue mm -hmm. to see you know what this guy's story is and whether or not they actually do you know have exactly know exactly what caused this mess. Which of course you've got to believe that they don't well eugene does at least say you know he talks about you know that there's a radius of sound and it's kind of like a net and every time they make a noise they're like plucking the net and they're drawing drawing the walkers there mm -hmm. yeah that does sound like something a scientist would say yeah, yeah. i, I just it. don't <laughs> trust his face i don't trust that eugene's face don't trust no fat guys in the no. zombie apocalypse. He How much do you eat? Yeah. What is he eating? He ate all the beans. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We can end on fart jokes. <laughs> an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 
Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.